open your Bibles again this morning, please, to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to finish up our series that we've been doing on the Beatitudes, and quite frankly, this is a message that I don't really want to preach. Uh, This is one of those messages that's hard to prepare, hard to preach, and hard to listen to. How's that for an introduction? And the reason it's so difficult and the reason it's so hard is because it deals with the most difficult subject. It deals with the subject of persecution. Persecution. And uh, sometimes we think about persecution, and I I believe that we kind of picture in our minds uh, maybe people in the Bible, or we think back in church history to those who are in the uh, Roman Colosseum, those Christians who were so tortured and uh, persecuted there and killed for their faith. But we don't want to think about or focus on persecution today. Uh, But make no mistake, beloved, persecution. uh, Christians are being persecuted like you would not believe. Uh, In fact, in January of this year, Fox News reported that Christians continued to be the most persecuted group across, across the globe in 2016. Samaritan's Purse says that there are now more persecuted believers in the world than at any other time in history. Now, I want you to think about that. There are more persecuted believers in the world than at any other time in the history. I want to show you some graphics real quick that will kind of help you to know where we are in regards to this. Uh, These are from Open Doors. This is a ministry uh, that serves persecuted Christians worldwide. I'm going to put them up on the screen for you. Each month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed. This is a monthly basis now. 322 Christians are killed. 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed. And I want you to look at this one. 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians, such as beatings, abductions, rapes, arrests, and forced marriages. And that's monthly. That's not a year. That's not 10 years. That's on a monthly basis. 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians in in just a horrible way. Unless you think this is something that happens to others, but not to us. I've got a book here in my hands this morning. I want you to see what the cover says there. It says, Lives Given, Not Taken, 21st Century Southern Baptist Martyrs. These are our missionaries, or some of our missionaries that have literally lost their lives serving the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel, uh, helping others to know Jesus Christ. It's interesting, you probably noticed the big 90% off. I bought that at 90% off. People don't want to read about persecution. They want to read about your best life now. Or they want to read about how you can be wealthy and healthy and prosperous. We don't want to talk about persecution. We don't want to read about persecution. But you know what? We must. In fact, when it comes to the Beatitudes, when you get to the end, it's exactly what's being talked about here. The Lord Jesus says, and I have them on the screen in front of you. hope you've got them in your Bible in front of you as well. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Here's what the Lord Jesus said. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. 
For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now you notice as we read those, there were two blessed, or blessed, depending on how you want to say it. And some people say, well, there's two Beatitudes here, but I don't think there are two. I think there are really one. Because they cover the same topic and the same subject. And the Lord Jesus mentions it at one point, and then in the next part, He expands and personalizes it. In fact, Hughes said that one of the old Puritan commentators believed that the reason that Jesus repeated Himself was because the statement was so incredible. And he was probably right. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who are reviled and persecuted and things are said evil about you. You are blessed. I mean, really? Really? We're blessed when we're persecuted? That's an incredible statement for so many reasons. You would think, now we're at the end of the Beatitudes, right? We're at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We're at the end of the Beatitudes. You would think that the people he's describing... Those who are poor in spirit and mourning and, and meek and humble and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and, and pure in heart. And, and last week we talked about that we're peacemakers. You would think that those people, the very next statement would be something that all of us would want to hear, that all of us would be excited about. You would think that those are the type of people everybody want to be around. Those type of people. But in fact, the very next statement that Jesus says is blessed are the persecuted. You see, the, the words that describe these types of people are persecuted, reviled, harassed, and spoken of in an evil way. Such is the lot of a follower of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the persecuted. Hmm. Well, let's unpack this together today. We've got to think about this for a few minutes. I want to share with you three words when it comes to this whole idea of persecution, okay? And I want you, if you want to take some notes, there's a blank page in your bulletin there. I'm going to go over a lot of Scripture. I'm going to show it to you. You might want to jot the references down. But on the back of your announcement sheet, there's a blank page. You might want to jot some notes down this morning. But I want to talk to you about three words, okay? The first word is reality. Reality. And when it comes to the Christian and persecution, listen, here's the reality. We should expect it. The normal Christian life, the normal Christian experience includes persecution for righteousness sake. Uh, one person said it this way. Persecution is as much a mark of discipleship as peacemaking. You know, we talked about peacemaking last time. Blessed are the peacemakers. And now we're talking about the persecuted. And both of them are blessed. And we should expect Persecution as believers. Now, I need to qualify that statement. So listen, don't, don't, don't check out on me yet. We don't go looking for it. We don't go hunting it. Uh, we don't have to drum it up. You don't have to go looking for it. It will find you. You don't have to wear a little you know, badge or a little name text that says, please persecute me. No, you don't. In fact, I want you to think about this verse. Jot the reference down. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all, all, all. That includes all, right? Believers. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, not might, not maybe, you will suffer persecution. The reality is we should expect it 
And because we expect it, we should not be surprised about it when it comes. Look at this verse. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Why? Because believers that don't understand this, who don't realize this, they, 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 they're, they're caught off guard. How in the world am I suffering pushback and persecution and reviling and all these things because I live for Jesus? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, look at that. Does that look familiar? Blessed are you. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He is blasphemed, but on your part He is glorified. Boy, wonder where He got that from. We know where He got it from. The Lord Jesus. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are you when you're reviled. Now here's the quandary when we come to passages like this. What do we really know about persecution? I mean, what do we really know about it? Honestly, what do we know about it? Here we are in America. We meet without fear today. Did you, did you get real concerned about coming to church today? No. You got dressed up in your Sunday best. You got your, maybe had some breakfast, got in your car, maybe listened to Christian radio on your way, came in, greeted people, smiled. Everybody had a great time in Sunday school. Happy to see people. We come in here, we sing, we praise the Lord. We do all these things. What do we know of persecution? I mean, we even have laws to protect our religious liberty. We have those who defend our religious liberty. And so what do we know about persecution? But have you noticed that we may be learning a lot more about it in the days to come? Have you noticed that our freedoms, especially those who love Jesus and serve Jesus and preach Jesus and believe the Bible and preach the Bible, have you noticed that our freedom is under attack? We may not always have what we have now. In fact, if it were up to some people today, we wouldn't have it now. Because they don't like what we believe. They don't like what we preach. They don't like the fact that we believe that the Bible is the authority, the final authority. This is the Word of God. And what it says is true. And we preach it and we believe it and we practice it. So there may be a day, but let's talk about the present, where we are right now. Now you know there are many different forms of persecution, right? Sometimes it's verbal, vocal and sometimes it's literal violence. In fact, I want you to notice the words there. Verse 11 has the words revile, the words persecute, and the, the phrase say all, thing, uh, say all kinds of evil uh, against you falsely. Revile is uh, verbal abuse. It, it's mocking. It's insulting. That's reviling. Uh, persecute means to pursue, literally. It means to pursue. It has the idea of literally harassing. Or troubling someone. It can be verbal or it can be physical. It can be a physical attack. Where it says, say all kinds of evil against you falsely, that would be defamation of character. That would be tearing down your character and saying things that are not true about you and seeking to make you look bad and to defame you in some way. We understand these kind of ideas. When you live for Jesus, people may laugh at you. They may talk about you behind your back. Uh, at work, you may be refused promotions. Uh, people may go out of their way to do things that especially bother you because you are a believer and you love Jesus and that there are things that, that you don't like and so they go out of their way to do that, to get under your skin because you love Jesus. We could go on and on about all kinds of examples. There's all kinds of forms of persecution and, and pushback and, and, and different intensities of it. 
But here's what I'm saying to all of us today. We should expect these things. In fact, it says there that we're blessed. But I want you to notice very carefully, it says, blessed are those that are persecuted, watch it, for righteousness' sake and for Jesus' sake. This is not hardship that comes because of our mistakes. This is not hardship that comes because of our personalities or our political persuasions. You know, that's not probably what we saw about, you know, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent or just plain mad. That's not what we're talking about here. This is being persecuted for righteousness' sake, for Jesus' sake. Uh, this is not even persecution for mishandling our Christian responsibilities. Let me give you an example. So we're supposed to be witnesses, right, for the Lord Jesus. We're supposed to share the gospel. But listen, if you go to work tomorrow and you spend all the time at work that you're there sharing about Jesus and you don't do your work and you get fired, that's not persecution, beloved. That's your responsibility is what that is. And, and you're being justly um, punished for that. Uh, this is not persecution because you're obnoxious. Uh, obnoxiousness is not persecution. Uh, you ever, you know, I, uh, I won't give any examples, but you, I know you're familiar with, with believers who, who are just plain obnoxious in their delivery of the gospel or in their stand for the truth and there's pushback. Uh, this is not suffering because you've made sinful choices. Because they have consequences, but it's not persecution. Uh, there, there are things that happen that are not persecution. Uh, in fact, I want you to look at what 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16 says. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Or watch this one. A busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian. Notice the distinction there. If you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And so what I'm saying is not everything that maybe you receive pushback on is true persecution. It might just be you're annoying. And I'm annoying at times. You follow what I'm saying? What's being talked about here is suffering for doing right. Suffering because you follow Jesus Suffering for righteousness' sake. Suffering for Jesus' sake. Now, you remember that Jesus came and He lived a sinless, perfect life. He came to give His life a ransom for many. What did Jesus do while He was here? Well, He was out busy doing what? He was healing and He was preaching. He was doing nothing but good. And what did they do to Jesus? They killed Him. They killed Him. Nothing but good. Sinless, perfect. And yet they killed Him. In fact, uh, mark this down. You can look it up real quick. You can just listen. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. Listen to what Jesus says. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Now listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 20. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, what? Listen. Don't be surprised about it. Expect it. If you're going to live for me, they're going to treat you like they treated me. They hated me, they're going to hate you. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. 
For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, now watch this, not only to believe in Him, but what? To also suffer for His sake. That's the reality this morning. Suffering for Jesus. Persecution. Different levels, different intensities. But if you're going to live a godly Christian life, you're going to have pushback in some way, shape, or form. It may be on the scale of suffering. It might be a minor thing. Or it might be a major thing. But you're going to suffer. Now, this is the second word. Are you ready for the second word? second word is response. Response. What should our response to, to persecution and suffering be? Well, here's where it gets really strange. Just going to be honest with you. Look back at verse 12. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. It says that we're supposed to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. In other words, be glad and be overjoyed. One translation, the NLT says, are you ready for this one? Be happy about it. Be very glad. Now I want you to put that in perspective. You're going to be persecuted because you follow Jesus, you love Jesus, and Jesus says to us, listen, be happy about it. Be glad. Really? Really? Now listen, I think we need to understand and to qualify this too. Jesus is not saying to us, listen, enjoy the beating. Enjoy the pain. Enjoy the wounds. Enjoy the emotional and physical hurt. He's not saying that like some weirdo, uh, you just enjoy pain. That you want to be harmed. You want to be beaten. You want to be harmed in these ways. It's not the painful acts of the persecutors that he's talking about, being glad about and being happy about. What he's saying is be happy and rejoice that you're being persecuted. The preacher, what do you mean? Well, let me illustrate it from the early church. If you go to Acts chapter 5, we don't have time to unpack it all, but go ahead and put your finger there in Matthew and turn to Acts chapter 5, and I'll kind of walk you through the chapter and we'll pick up later on in the chapter. We don't have time to read it all. You can go back and read it all later. But the apostles are out doing great works. This is the early church, the book of Acts. They're doing great works. And the religious officials arrest them, put some of them in jail, and an angel breaks them out of jail. It's an incredible story. And after they get out of jail, they go out preaching again, and they get arrested again. Now, if you're in Acts chapter 5, Look at verse 40. I'm going to go partway in the verse. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And it says, now I want you to watch this. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. When they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And by the way, do you notice that's the distinguishing feature, right? You can be religious, you can be spiritual, you can be happy, but when you talk about Jesus, the name above every name. Now notice what happens. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, watch this, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Beaten but rejoicing. Rejoicing in the fact that they were identified with Christ in His suffering. They were not rejoicing in the fact that they, you know, 
Oh, praise the Lord, I'm being beaten. It's the idea that I'm counted worthy to suffer on behalf of Christ in whatever form that is. For you, it might be uh, someone laughing at you or making it difficult at school or work or wherever it is. For you, it might be a neighbor that just hates you. There's different forms, different levels, different intensities. But when you suffer for Jesus' sake, you know, what was, what was Paul's uh, great desire for, um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know Him. Now watch this. And the power of His resurrection. And all of us say, oh, sign me up for that. I want to know Jesus and His power. But notice what it says next. And the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Look at what Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 says. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Watch this. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together, rejoicing in the grace that God gives us in the midst of suffering. And if you've endured any form of suffering, can you not testify that God gives you grace? It's not easy. But God gives you grace in the midst of that. And in fact, this, this right here seems so strange, doesn't it? Rejoice when you... But, but look at what else Jesus said. Look at Matthew 5.44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and what? persecute you. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't do that on my own. I've got to have God working in my life, empowering me to do that kind of stuff. Because what is an actual person? What do we really want to do? Somebody were to punch you, what are you going to do? Punch him back. Somebody curses you, you curse them back. I woke up half the choir with that move. So. <laughs> but Jesus says, no, I'm not calling you to live a natural life. I'm calling you to, to, to live a supernaturally empowered life. So we have two words, reality, response. There's a third word. And that word is reward. Reward. We can rejoice in suffering because we know we're being identified with Christ, we're beginning, and by the way, no matter how bad it is, we, we can't even hardly begin to understand Christ's suffering. We begin to identify with Christ and His suffering. We, we see His grace at work in our life. But we also can rejoice in knowing that, listen, any suffering that we endure is for a limited time, and one day it will be no more. Heaven awaits us. I want you to notice back at these Beatitudes again. Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Rejoice to be exceedingly glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. You see, beloved, we show that we are citizens of heaven when we are willing to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also remind ourselves today that there is a reward awaiting us. You remember the great uh, hymn, The Church is One Foundation? We sing it from time to time. You remember this verse? Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, 
She waits the consummation of peace forevermore till with the vision glorious her longing eyes are blessed and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. There's a reward awaiting us. There's a reward. Heaven awaits. But there's one more reason we can rejoice when we are being persecuted. And it's because we join a great company of those who have gone before us who are also persecuted. Look at verse 12 again. I didn't finish reading it that last time. Rejoice to be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And then I left off this part. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You remember in Hebrews chapter 11, there's the hall of faith. Remember that? And it lists all these great men and women of faith. And it goes on down talking about Abraham and Sarah and different ones. When you get down later on in the passage, verses 35 to 37, I want you to listen to what it says in Hebrews 11, 35. This is the hall of faith, by the way. Women received their dead raised to life again. Well, hallelujah for that. But listen to what else it says. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. were tempted. were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. That's the hall of faith part we don't like to talk about. We like back here at Abraham and, and Sarah and all them. We get down to the end and say, listen, there's some, but you don't know their name. But they were faithful to the Lord till death. And you know what? God's people have been facing persecution from the very beginning. I want you to think about it for a moment. We go back all the way to the book of Genesis. The first man and woman, what were their names? All right. Adam and Eve. And they had some sons named Cain and Abel. And do you remember what happened to Cain and Abel? Well, let me just show you what happened to Cain and Abel again. But I'm going to go to the New Testament. 1 John 3, verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. Now, stop. So we know what happened. Very first family, murder. Now, what? read the next part of 1 John 3, 12. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Say, what's the point, preacher? Here's the point. Abel was persecuted and killed for righteousness' sake. Do you see it right there? God's people have been suffering from the beginning. Now, if truth be known, when you read a passage like this, I think one of the most challenging things that confront us is this question. What if I'm not being persecuted? What if I'm not being persecuted? What if there's no pushback in my life? I mean, look at the Scripture. Luke 6.26 says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Wait a minute. Let's read that again. Are you really saying that? Let's read that again. Woe to you and all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers, the false prophets. In other words, now I know this sounds strange, 
But it's not good if everybody speaks well of you. Now, I want you to process that. I can feel the wind being sucked out of the room right now. Because I'm, I'm with you on this. We want everybody to speak well of us, don't we? We want everybody to like us. I've, I've had met many people, lest they were deranged, that say, listen, I really want people to hate me, and I want to hate people, and I want to just have a miserable life. No, we want to have a pleasant experience, and we want people to like us, and we want to be a jovial, we want to have a great time. But this says in Luke 6.26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers, the false prophets. And then I find that verse again haunting us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So I go back to this question again. What if I'm not being persecuted? So do I need to go home and find somebody to persecute me? Honey, can you slap me right now? You know? Do I go looking for it, drumming up? No, I think what we do is this. We need to stop and examine our lives. And say, why am I experiencing no pushback from anybody? And I'm not talking about being sawn in two, being, you know, cut in two. That may come for somebody in here. We don't know. But I mean, no pushback. Could it be... Could it be that last part of that verse where it says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Could it be that we have been hiding our candle under the bushel trying to kind of flow through not truly standing up, not in an obnoxious way, not in an arrogant way, but in a very humble, lowly way Speaking the truth, living the truth, seeking to be a God-centered person for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I leave that with you because we ought to wrestle with that. What if you're not suffering? I need to spend some time looking at your life and asking God to help you. I want to close with the words of Isaac Watts. It's one of the great hymns that we sing. Don't close up, so I want you to listen to what he writes. Now, the first part I'm going to read, you're familiar with a lot of you. If you grew up in church or you've been around any time, you know the, the hymn, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Am I a soldier? You know that one? Now, I want you to listen to the words now. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear on His cause or blush to speak His name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil. Endure the pain supported by thy word. That's what we normally sing. That's the part we sing. And great words. And great prayer and song. But I'll give you two more verses you probably don't know. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy army shine in robes of victory through the skies, thy glory 
shall be thine. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, help us. We have wrestled through these verses today. We have considered Your Word and what it has to say to us. Father, I pray if someone here has never ever received the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior, I pray Your Holy Spirit will work in their life right now. Convict them of their sin and or bring them to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for others among us who are Christians who are facing pushback, facing persecution. I don't know exactly what their circumstances are, but Lord, give them strength today. Give them courage. Give them grace. Help them to look to You for what they need. To love those who persecute them. To pray for them. To do good to them. And Lord, to trust You in that difficult circumstance. Lord, help us as we face difficulties in our own lives on a day-to-day basis. Help us to have the courage, as we just talked about there, to truly stand for You. And then, Father, if there are those among us today and maybe that question's haunting them, what about me? I'm not facing any pushback or any persecution or any reviling. I pray Your Spirit to deal with their heart as they examine their life. Father, we don't know what the future holds. We look around and we see the hatred for You increasing in our own land. Lord, truths that we once understood that all Christians believed are now being debated and rejected. Help us to stand for You. Give us the courage we need to absorb the the insults and the mocking and the reviling and the evil speech and the defamation of character and all of the attacks upon us. Help us to trust You, to live in Your strength, to move in Your power. Help us, Lord, to endure for Christ's sake. And thank You for the reward that awaits us. I pray that You'll bless this invitation now. In Jesus' name, Amen. I think a very appropriate hymn for the invitation today. I need Thee every hour. And beloved, that's true in all of life and it's certainly true in this area in this regard. And I don't know what God's saying to you today. Maybe you need to be saved today. You've never received the Lord Jesus. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you want to come and pray. Maybe you want to come and pray for those that are going to lose their life today. For Jesus. Think about that somewhere in our world today. Statistically speaking, someone is going to lose their life for Jesus. Someone's going to be beaten today. Someone's going to be harmed today. Someone's going to be persecuted today. I don't know what God is saying to you, but I just want to encourage you respond in faith and obedience, okay? 450, let's stand and sing, I need thee every hour.